0: Welcome back to this week's episode of the Cogar Center Arts Roundup podcast. Welcome back to the Cogar Center Arts Roundup podcast. Our very special guest today is Lee Snellgrove, the Executive Director for One Columbia for Arts and Culture. Lee, thank you for joining us. Uh, glad to be here, Nick. So you all at Columbia do a ton of great stuff, but today we've got you on the program to talk most specifically about public art here in Columbia. So can you tell us uh, about the, give us a brief overview of sort of public art in Columbia. We have a tremendous number of pieces um, for a city our size. Uh, how did we, how did we get there?
1: Yeah. So that I, I, I have tried to piece together some of the history of public art in Columbia as much as I can. I think for a very long time in Columbia, uh, it has relied on individual artists and the work that they wanted to create and bring to the city. And a couple of groups that were uh, good about working with artists and commissioning work, uh, not necessarily on the city's behalf, but really working with some other individual artists to create pieces, but up until recently, there was no sort of formal effort to uh, make sure that art was being added to the city at all times, and that's where we sort of stepped in and took that role at One Columbia and and worked with the city to develop a uh, the rough bones of a public art policy. So I would say most people are probably going to think that public art in Columbia really started, I think, around the time of Blue Sky and the tunnel vision piece. That was sort of the key marker of public art. Um, I think it was 1975 or 76. And uh, it's on the side of what was the First Bank and uh, or the agricultural bank building. And, uh, you know, he did that in a partnership with uh, the South Carolina Arts Commission and, and the First Bank. I think they provided some funds to commission it. And, that's probably one of the earliest still standing pieces of public art. Obviously, I think in a city where you have a state university, you're always going to have sculptural pieces because the students are creating work. You're you've got sculptures around campus. So I know of a few other pieces uh, that either still exist or were in existence on U.S.'s campus many years ago. And it is like I said it it was very individualized for certain reasons we had public art in certain places for a long time in Colombia but what's happened over the last few years with when Colombia is taking the role of commissioning work is that we have created an environment I think that is much more public art friendly much providing better resources to neighborhoods communities private developments and even the city of Columbia in order to commission work in a way that follows best practices for commissioning public art, working with public artists, and thinking about the context that those pieces are going to go in, which is incredibly important when it comes to public art.
0: How often is the public art that's happening now being commissioned, and how often is it donated?
1: Yeah, uh, so most of it right now is commissioned um, in some way or another, because the city doesn't actually have a formal method for receiving donated public art. Now they have; they have taken it. One one of the recent examples is the "I Love You" hand in the Vista, which was a donation to the city by the Deaf and Blind School Foundation. Um, they created sister pieces. They donated one to Spartanburg, uh, where they're located, and they donated one to Columbia because we're the seat of the state government and they're a state uh, entity. Uh, but that was a complicated process to even figure out how the city would accept that donation. Um, other donations have been done in the past. Actually, right now, um, Busted Plug, one of Blue Sky's other pieces, uh, is uh, was donated to the city. And unfortunately, the city doesn't even know how to handle that donation because it, it needs to move that piece off private property. And right now, it just would cost too much. So I, we have actually tried to, I think, Steer the way the city from taking too many donations, or we at least need the city to ex- create processes for that. But I, I think that, um, you know, there are instances of plenty of donated pieces throughout the history. There's the uh, uh, park at uh, uh, Maxi Gregg Park has a donated piece, um, and a few others. Uh, but lately in the last four to five years, it's all been. Primarily commissioned work, and we have completed uh, just over forty pieces in what five years, I believe. So that's about your, you know, we're we're steadily putting out several pieces a year, and then there are additional ones being created by individual artists or being provided by private developers.
0: You can see this on the One Columbia website, uh, which is onecolumbia.sc.com. There's a public art page. And you've got, I don't know, uh, over 100 pieces listed. Um, some of them are obviously murals, like the Tunnel Vision or Blue Sky's n- most recent, or in my mind, most recent, the Five Point Steel Chain mural that uh, I used to bike by and watch and paint. Um, but then there's also a, a number of s- sculptures. And then I, it looks like there's a number of um, like monuments and memorials that might be up there. How do you pick what goes up onto that? And do you feel like you've got all of what you consider to be public art up on the site yet? Or is that still a process where you're still getting photos and writing stuff up and and adding it there?
1: It's a process. So we, we set up that directory. I guess we've had some form of a directory on our One Columbia website for a long time. But it was, I think, about two years ago, we created a specific directory, enhanced the look of it, and made sure that we were really... Uh, cataloging all the public art in the Midlands area. Covers the city of Columbia, but also gets forest acres probably in a 25 to 35 mile radius around Columbia. And uh, we wanted to catch anything. Um, we, it doesn't have to be anything that's just commissioned by us or you know anything formal. And we've even opened it up. It does also get what I would call art in public places. So pieces of art in publicly accessible buildings like the library or the Koger Center or other places where people often go, um, we've tried to capture those pieces as well when we can get more information. It is absolutely a process that we continue to work on. Uh, we, you know, finding oftentimes we'll know about a piece or we'll have seen it ourselves or something, so we might have an image, but we don't have a lot else to go on to get information so we spend some time before we put it up on the website at least try and capture some of what we can about it uh we want to give people usually the artist the date if we can maybe why it was commissioned or who commissioned it uh details that we have about the piece maybe some links to some existing articles about it and uh images so we actually have a photographer that we work with that you know tries to get high-quality images of all the pieces for us. Um, Where possible, we wanted to know if it was, you know, if it's, like, city-owned or privately-owned or something like that. And uh, so we're constantly adding. I I think you're right. It is about 150 pieces on there right now. And we I think we have another 10 to 20 probably on our to-do list that we're working on right now. And... As more pieces even get created in the meantime, we continue to add those, too. Um, So it's just an ongoing process to update our public art directory.
0: As I look at the site, one of the things I noticed, I noticed one of the doors uh, on the site, and we have a door at the Coker Center in the lobby, uh, and that sort of reminds me that um, some of what I see other cities do, and I know that Columbia has done, are these projects where a number of different artists all do a piece around a theme that goes up in public. How often does that happen, and do we? can you talk about maybe a recent one, and or if you've got plans to do something like that in the future, you could talk about that?
1: The, the two times that's happened in Columbia's history that I know of, uh, one were the palmetto trees, which a few still exist. Uh, I know there's one on Benedict College's campus uh, on Taylor Street that you can see pretty prominently. And the doors both those projects were carried out by the uh cultural council of richland and lexington counties that was pre one columbia days and uh you know those are big efforts to get the same type of structure whether it be a palmetto tree or a door and provide it to individual artists for them to work with and create new pieces and then those get placed out in different areas and you know the ones you've seen nationally are the i think the chicago cows and i know in hendersonville they've done bears and other things like that so it was kind of a fad for a while to do those kind of uh public art interventions i think they're less uh often done now we don't have any plans to do them because we are working so much on permanent pieces And, and oftentimes those are they can be permanent but they're i think in order to do those you have to do them temporarily. You can't expect that every piece you're going to create of that process is going to become permanent. Oftentimes they're done as like fundraisers too. some of those pieces get sold to private owners um, and they get acquired by maybe entities like the university or the Kroger center, but um, they're hard. That's a complicated process to find that many artists to pay that many artists to uh, get those things fabricated, get them placed in lots of different places and, I think we're at this point trying to actually create contextual pieces of permanent public art that will stay in specific locations and be more iconic for the city in the long term. Um, it's not to say we're not gonna rule it out, maybe at some time in the future, but um, and, and uh, we don't have a lot of information about where all those doors or palmetto trees ended up because the cultural council doesn't is no longer in existence. And so a lot of their records of where they place those pieces, we're having to kind of uh, reverse engineer to find. Um,
0: that sort of makes me think about uh, the one of the pieces that's on the website is the uh, George Rogers mural that was on the side of the Booker T. Washington building on the university campus that's been painted over. Um, mm-hmm. How often does a piece of public art um, either disappear due to vandalism, due to building getting torn down or, um, or just it, you know, moving into private hands. Is is that, do we lose a lot?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think we do lose a lot. Um, We lose a lot. We don't know about Um, probably more often than the ones we do know about. Um, But public art, public art is both, you know art and in permanent in some ways when I oftentimes when I'm referring to a permanent piece that's a piece that's going to be in existence for just over 18 months Um, you know sculptures we like to get a life of 15 to 30 years out of murals you can expect a life of five to ten for most of them unless they get continuously refreshed the paint fades things
0: like that how often do you you refresh murals is that Is that something that you have to like budget for if you get a mural up and you want it to stay, you have to think about that lifespan of it.
1: Yeah. It's something that you should plan for when you do a mural. I, I don't think we do it often enough. And when I say we, I mean most people that are creating murals. So like, you know, it's not always budgeted into the project from the start, unfortunately, and it probably, there should be a method for doing that. And we can talk a little more about that. I think that though. So like the George Rogers mural, buildings, the landscape of the city, uh, the aesthetics of the city, everything's always changing anyway. So yes, murals come and go. I will say that murals um, are good that they, I do think create an iconic sense of place. And when done well with a community, done contextually for a certain space, they're often, they last longer because people are really passionate about keeping them um if they're done sort of on the fly and they're done maybe just between uh an artist and a business owner and not really involving the community they're less likely to stay around because and and there are examples of that recently even Blues Guys had that happen to him where he I, I i don't know all the details of his arrangement but he worked with a property owner on a building near the library and created a cat mural that a lot of people saw um that was only up a very short time before that property owner just painted over it and i i assume there was some miscommunication the property owner didn't quite know much about public art and why it might be good for a city and it just disappeared so yeah we lose great stuff we are losing stuff daily recently we lost um Ralph Waldrop was sort of a contemporary blue sky. Ralph's still here in, in Columbia, uh, as well, just doesn't do mural work anymore, but he, um, we've lost a few of his pieces recently. Uh, one on the side of a building that I, I, I don't remember if it was actually part of Mo Levy's or if it was just connected to the building that Mo Levy's was in at the corner of uh, lady and assembly. And, uh, a piece he did with leadership columbia um was taken off that we are talking with the arnold company that's doing that project to kind of at least figure out a way to preserve that a different way even blue sky um one of the murals around um uh tunnel vision was uh lost when they tore down the building that then became the new ymca luckily ymca took the initiative when they rebuilt that building to essentially, they had already documented the mural, which is called Other Side of the Tunnel, big mural with hay bales that Blue Sky did. They documented it with a high quality picture and then recreated it on the building using essentially a vinyl wrap. So there are ways that like, even when you have to change the landscape of the city in some way um, that you can kind of protect and preserve the history of these murals. Um, Sculptures, when we, so, we actually try to account for this possibility that things need to change in some way in the contracts we do with artists. So, oftentimes, you know, because whoever is going to own the piece, whether it be a private property owner who owns the building or the city, if it's in the city right away, you kind of build in, if you can, a way for that piece to be deaccessioned, like you would a piece that might get damaged in a gallery somewhere. Um, yeah, wear and tear happens to public art daily there is the possibility of vandalism although columbia is pretty fortunate that we have a low level of vandalism at least right now i think that people are excited about public art they feel good about it it makes them feel part of a buzzing city so they're less likely to vandalize right now um and other things can happen even just a change in the streets layout or something like that could cause a piece to need to be moved and it is the city's ability to do so for those pieces in their right away and we we just encourage them to communicate that to the artist. and we always want to incur like we hope that the city it is their collection of art and that they should treat it as such. and just like you would in your home, sometimes you have to move a piece and you hope that you you know continue to keep it or you could perhaps sell it, you could you know transfer its ownership or you could do anything like that. Public art just, you know, has to live like that because it is in the public space. Um, We, what we've tried to do, and I don't think we've done it well on the directory and we're going to try and enhance this better, but at least categorize a little bit about the history of public art. So, you know, pieces like the George Roger mural, that was an important part of Columbia. Uh, That's another piece actually by Ralph Waldrop. And, I, I think that mural is very interesting. It, it was already gone by the time I sort of came to Columbia, but I love that mural. And it actually has a really interesting backstory that Ralph told me, um, you know, with George's signature, he had to like do a special mapping technique to get George's signature up on the wall um, that like involves like putting up large pieces of paper uh, and and stippling it, like I guess, and like, you know, using little holes in the paper to be able to get his signature just right up on the wall. Um, it was vandalized at some point after George got in trouble with the law. Um, it you know it, it has this great texture to that whole idea of that mural. And so I you know I hope that we can do what we can to kind of keep that history alive of some of these pieces that even are lost when they aren't physically available for us to see. it's hard for us to do that in the directory because, you know, we are at the same time encouraging people to visit those pieces and if they don't exist, I don't know how we kind of reconcile that. Um, But we're working on, I think they're going to be, you know, we'll figure out ways that we can um, make it clear that certain pieces aren't in existence anymore and that they're just a historical record of those pieces.
0: Are you still working with the Comet, uh, which is the local public bus system uh, to get Uh, art into the buses or on the buses Uh, if I remember correctly there was a project in which you wrapped a bus as a part of uh, a public art project
1: yeah not actively right now I think there are always opportunities to be discussed with the Comet Uh, certainly a lot of cities do public art related to their bus uh, stops bus um, shelters Um, so there's always possibility that we'd be interested in exploring but um, the project you're talking about, we we worked with the Comet on a uh, essentially a moving piece of public art where the the Comet already wraps buses with their own logos and style and brand and everything. And the idea came forth that they were about to wrap a few, and without essentially any extra costs to the Comet, one Columbia commissioned an artist to create a unique wrap that then gets added to the bus. So we uh, we did a call. We did our followed our normal public art process, which involves um, identifying two to five artists usually that can uh, carry out a project, requesting proposals from them, and paying them a stipend for proposals, and then having a stakeholders group to select one of those proposals. Um, so we did that, and artist Laurie McIntosh, um, who has lived between Columbia and Camden for a long time, uh, created a piece that is essentially her experience of Columbia. So it's a lot of, uh, of the physical iconography of Columbia. So it's got the, you know, different buildings that would be recognizable, different monuments. It's got the Finlay Park fountain. And it also includes the yesterday's cowboy uh, in the bathtub. Uh, Long may he rest in peace. Uh, But, uh, you know, it's essentially her experience of Columbia and created into this icon, icon, iconic bus. Um, it's the only bus in the fleet that is like that, that's totally different. Um, and she painted it out as this massive canvas in her studio that I think was like 12 to 15 feet long. And she painted it out. And then we had that photographed at a high resolution and then converted into a vinyl wrap. And the idea is that that bus is going to go in all different parts of the city and that adds a new piece of public art that folks can experience even when their neighborhood might not have a piece of public art
0: and the wraps that happen on the electric boxes or or junction boxes around town is that part of a, a one columbia project or is that something else we've
1: only really advised we haven't we haven't been heavily involved but um, where that's been most distinctively related I, to what I would say is more like pu- art in public space is um, how the Vista handled their boxes, because they um, the Vista neighbors took the initiative to work with the Vista Guild and and artists, and they, uh, they they basically identified artists that were kind of affiliated with the Vista that they knew of, and um, it is the cultural district of the city, so that <clears throat> they felt like they had a special reason to include art on their utility boxes. So they, they work with an artist to just take a photograph of an existing piece, not commission new work to turn those into uh, public art pieces, but it's kind of works in the same way as like an art in public space that it's, it's that artist's work. It's recognizing them for that work. And it's enhancing just some boring old utility box. Um, and, and also sending the very clear signal that the Vista is a cultural district. So when you enter it at any, almost every corner now, you're going to see one of those boxes, and it's going to be very clear to you that's an artistic and creative area of town.
0: What, can you talk to us about what's coming up um, in terms of uh, public art projects here in the city people can look forward to?
1: Yeah, so we have a couple of big projects that we've got going on. We've got, we've got a few small projects. One to look out for soon is on Main Street, um, at the market on Main Street. There's gonna be a mural on the back of a new screen that they put up, um, which uh, is an interesting project and, and that will be happening very soon. But we do have a couple of really big projects that were, I think are gonna uh, be really impactful to the city. Um, one is a project with the City of Women Initiative, which is sort of an initiative uh, managed by Historic Columbia and the REN, which is the Women's Rights Empowerment Network. Um, they realized that essentially there are no monuments or landmarks, no streets really named for women and the women's and women's accomplishments in Columbia, and no prominent women are kind of recognized. Um, Except for Lady Street, which was named for uh, Martha Washington, and it's not even her name, it's just her nickname. And um, so they've taken on this task of recognizing these honorees, and they've chosen a a set of honorees each year for the last two years um, to recognize both living and deceased um, of prominent women. Well, they approached us to see if it was possible to commission a large-scale piece of public art that could recognize the accomplishment of women in Colombia and be a prominent marker for how women have really shaped Colombia. So we are working on a large-scale sculpture that we expect to be installed by, say, October, I believe, um, at the corner of Main and um, Gervais, right across the street from the State House. Um, and... Uh, We have gone through the process of um, putting out a call for artists and then identifying a few artists to then give us proposals. The committee has um, already selected the artist, and fabrication on the piece is going to start very soon. I can't tell you a whole lot of detail about what it's going to be, but it's going to be, I think, something like 16 16 feet tall, 15 to 16 feet tall. On that corner, it's going to be quite prominent. And we're also looking, there's going to be some exciting um, community engagement around that piece too, to continue to tell the story of women's accomplishments. So it's a pretty impactful piece that we're really excited about. Another big uh, project is to add public art to a new space in Columbia, a new public space that isn't even technically open yet um, on Boyd Island, um, which is part of the Three Rivers Greenway. Um, so right now they've built out a parking lot and other things uh, over near the zoo. And there will be a new greenway that comes right along the Saluda River. And right sort of where the confluence of the Saluda River and the um, Broad River meet, uh, there's an island that previously didn't have any pedestrian access, but ha- the River lights has added a pedestrian bridge to it. So it'll be a little um, getaway of the city right in the heart of the confluence of the rivers. And we're working with the Boyd Foundation, who the name the island is named after they help fund the pedestrian access to it, um, to create some sort of public art piece that will be uh, very prominent, also very contextual. so taking into account that it is a very natural space um, uh, to really add to that area of the river. and And we hope that that will then spur on more public art pieces all along the river which hopefully can become more like a um, sculpture garden that you would see in a lot of different cities. Um, and I, I can't think of the name of one right off that is a great example. But there are there are a few throughout the country, um, particularly around water, bodies of water that are phenomenal, where you might see the work of some really prominent artists all in one area. And um, we're sort of thinking that our riverfronts are such a value to the city that why not make that a sort of cultural heart of the city too um and and we hope to see many more pieces but that piece um has been impacted a little bit by the pandemic where we've, we've had to slow down the process but we are essentially at the process where we have a short list of artists that have been selected and they are working on their proposals uh, so we haven't been able to do site visits with them because of travel restrictions but pretty soon here we'll probably be able to get them information they need about the island and they can start crafting their proposals and then one will be selected and i envision sometime in 2021 we'll be able to install that piece when it's all done
0: and speaking of pandemic and uh currently as we record this the most of the museums are closed um one of the reasons why i thought it'd be great to talk to you now is Uh, a fantastic cultural activity, artistic activity that is available to anyone is to go out in public and see some of these works that maybe you see as you're driving by or walking someplace, but you don't think of them as uh, art to be stopped and studied because you're in a hurry to get somewhere. Um, Can you talk about how folks could use the website to sort of create their own little wander tour um, if they were particularly interested in, say, women artists or artists in a certain neighborhood, how, how they can put together a little tour for themselves and get out safely uh, here in Columbia and experience art in public?
1: Yeah, certainly. Um, so there are a couple of resources on the website already that they could use to build their own tours. So uh, the website does give both a list of public art pieces, but also a map. So you could zoom in. On a certain area and pinpoint ones that you want to like create your own tour for. Uh, you can also search through the directory by some thematic things. So if you wanted to search for just women that have created public art in Columbia, you could go and just look at all the pieces created by a woman. Or you could look at certain themes like African-American themes or interactive or kid-friendly. Um, so we try and Categorize them a bit so that you can find what you're looking for, and even build your own tour that way. Um, we also have created and and right, you know, we'll we'll make sure this is pretty prominent. But um, we've built calling collections of public art. So, like, if you are in a specific district of the city, say the Main Street district, you could see only those pieces filtered for
0: you. So if people are interested in getting out and around the city of Columbia and as an opportunity to see art while the museums are still closed, is there an easy way for them to use the website to put together their own walking tour uh, to be able to get out and and see art around the city?
1: Yes, there definitely is a way they can use the directory that way. We, We have tried to create that opportunity for people to stumble upon these pieces. Um, or even cer- seek out certain thematic things that they might want to hunt for. So right now on the website, you can uh, you go and uh, it has a map feature. So you can zoom in, you can see pieces that might be around you um, in your neighborhood and and hunt those out or look at certain parts of the city and kind of pick out things. You can then filter the all the pieces by certain thematic elements. Say if you only wanted to see art by women artists or art with African-American themes or kid-friendly art or interactive art, you can, you can do that um, and, and, and kind of build a tour that way. Uh, we also, and we'll make this more prominent, but I think that we built in a way to share with the different hospitality districts or different areas of the city, um, sort of collection of their art and uh that way it'll it'll sort of sort all of those pieces um and only show you those so then you can build off a tour if you're in the main street district having a walk or riding a bike um, and we have done tours like that in the past with people uh, where we're, we've we taken walk-in tours um, to showcase the city of Columbia to a lot of different people uh we even recently tried to give a bike tour to the together sc conference but it got rained and things got changed and we had very few people that got to experience it so i I do plan to do more of that thing and we we hope to at some point on the directory add feature where people can kind of either build their own tour or use some preset tours that even would come with more audio uh that would even potentially give more context to the piece than just what's on the directory um I, you know, I think it's great that people could use it that way. And we've kind of encouraged them to along the way throughout um, different kind of dispatches that One Columbia's put out about ways they can take advantage of the art of the city as if it were a gallery space. Uh, we and, and and also, you know, biking is one thing. You, you can see it on a bike. You can see it uh, when you're walking. That's a great way to experience these pieces. Um, But some people are afraid, a little afraid to be out in public right now and that it's okay to see some of these pieces by car. Obviously, you know, ones the size of a busted plug are easy to see from a car and kind of ride by and enjoy. Um, There's a new piece that was added that is almost intended to be seen by car. Um, It's right on a a busy street in Columbia, on Yuji Street, if you're coming from 126. Um, as if you're going towards a stadium, right after you cross Survey Street, um, on the right-hand side at One Eared Cow Glass in Stormwater Studios, the artist Clark Ellison has created this robot head that comes up out of the ground as if that robot is like buried there, and it has these glowing eyes. It's really spectacular at nighttime. Um, so there are lots of ways that people can kind of get out and about and almost um, treat the city as a gallery of art that they can experience.
0: Thank you very much, Lee, for, for your time. Uh, it, the weather is great, the birds are out. Uh, what, what a perfect time of year to go out and experience the art in public. Is there anything else you'd like to share with people? Any last thoughts about public art and um, here in the city or anything else about One Columbia? Um,
1: we, we really hope that, I think I think, over the last few years, we've added a tremendous amount of public art that I think really involves the community in its creation. And we hope to continue to do that. So I hope people see that value and want to continue to support public art and, and even work together so that we can then help put public art in all different parts of the city and in more neighborhoods and not just in these districts. Um, But we hope what we're creating is something that makes everybody proud of Columbia and becomes iconic for the City and also is something that draws people to Columbia. So I'm excited about public art. I think we got some great stuff coming up, and I hope, I hope the rest of the city is excited about it as well.
0: Well, again, thank you for your leadership at One Columbia and for helping to curate uh, all, all of this art with these artists, finding artists, getting things put out, working with the city. We appreciate that. Uh, you've been listening to the Coger Center Arts Roundup. Lee Snellgrove is the executive director of One Columbia for Arts and Culture right here in the city of Columbia. You can check out onecolumbiasc.com and look for the public art page, but you can also find all sorts of arts and cultural activity listed there. I hope that many of the things that used to be on the website will be returning in the near future. But uh, in the meantime, there's public arts that you can visit from the safety of your car or the safety of your bicycle. Um, so, get out, enjoy, and experience Columbia. Thanks a lot, Lee. All right, thank you very much. You. The Coger Center Arts Roundup is produced in part by Garnet Media Group, the student media partnership at the University of South Carolina. Information about tickets and upcoming events can be found at com, the official website for Coger Center tickets. For more information about Garnet Media Group, visit garnetmedia.org.